Good afternoon, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, and boys and girls. That's right. Once again, I have violated a code of ethics because I do not believe that a man can ever be a woman. Anyway, my name is John Harvey. It is now Tuesday. I mean Thursday. I've been off for a while. Sorry, guys. Um, today I have a special guest on. Let's get the business. Her name is Danielle Ahn. She is running for Salt Lake County District Attorney against Sim Gills. Now, I don't know much about Sim Gills, but today we're going to get an education about Sim Gills and his office. Um, Danielle, welcome to my show. Thank you so much for having me on. This is this is awesome. This is epic, as as a certain Ben Shapiro would say. Uh, <laughs> it really is epic. I mean, you guys, the work you're doing is is really a godsend, right? Like you're doing this because you're passionate. You love the country. You want good policies in. You want to protect our constitutional principles. But guess what? If you don't have a good DA, doesn't matter. Nothing yeah, that you exactly. implement in law will be done. Nothing that you try and pass. So when when you're running for district attorney, that's not a particular popular job. What possessed you to run for this seat? Well, it's actually a, kind of a funny story. What possessed me is a good question. I'm sure there's some <laughs> demon out there that just wanted me in. So, and and well, I would like to think that God sent me and that and that I'm bringing hell with me. But uh, I, I found out that Sim Gill was going to run a, on a post and it was about three days before filing. And one of the county council members came in and said, hey, Danielle, you're an attorney. Why don't you run? And I thought about it for two seconds and I said, why don't I run? Let's do it. So I said yes, because when I was in undergrad, I had a few friends who were sexually abused. Um, they were both violently raped and they had brought their cases to Sim Gill's office to the county prosecutors. Mm-hmm. Both of their cases, the prosecutors declined uh, their case and decided not to press charges, not to file charges against their accused uh, perpetrators. And when I asked them why, they said, well, there wasn't enough evidence. And I said, OK, I guess I guess a rape kit bruises <laughs> testimony. <laughs> Everything else, I guess that's not enough evidence. Not let's let's just ignore the fact she barely even knew the guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that to me was was really shocking. So when I went to law school though, I went to law school here at the University of Utah. And when I was in law school, I met a certain professor named Judge Cassell, Paul Cassell. And Judge Paul Cassell is a very fascinating individual. Um he He's like the token conservative on campus. Is he? And, <laughs> and, uh, he? But he fought for victims' rights. And he passed legislation in 2018 that would allow victims whose cases had been declined, like my friends, to appeal to the AG's office. So fast forward a few years. I'm wondering to myself, well, has anyone appealed? To this day, I don't know of anyone who's appealed their declination. Mm-hmm. And I wondered why that was the case. So I went and looked up the data. What I found out startled me. What I found out is that from 2017 till now, out of all the cases that have been brought to the prosecutor's office, 
Only 35% have ever been formally screened. So let me go through that process really quick. What that means is a screening is where you get the police report, right, from the sheriff's office. You get everything you need. You look through the case file. You call the victim. You you do an interview with the victim. Maybe you call the defendant, depending on the situation. And you go on a little bit of an investigation and you determine, okay, what charges should I file? What charges match what what happened, right? Whether or not Mm -hmm. this was a crime. Mm -hmm. and and you line it up now the standard for that is probable cause to maintain charges after you filed well what sim gill has been doing what my opponent has been doing is he hasn't even been filing charges he hasn't been screening them because think about it if you don't screen the cases you can't decline to file the charges if you don't file charges or if you don't send a declination letter then your ratio of win and loss never changes and you don't end up in an appeal to the AG's office. Right. (laughs) So all of these cases have just been sitting around doing nothing and sit and that's only 35% have been screened. That means that 65% of the accused perpetrators and offenders are still out there on the streets, presumably raping, presumably doing whatever it is that they do. Or it also means that There are innocent men and women out there who haven't done anything, who aren't able to clear their name. They aren't able to know whether or not they'll ever be charged. Right. Because now it's pure speculation where they're either innocent or they're guilty. And, you know, and they can't. I mean, if you're a guy that's been accused of rape and you know you didn't do it. You can't you can't legitimate legitimize yourself because they're just sitting in a locker somewhere in evidence now didn't correct me if i'm wrong wasn't a few months ago maybe a couple years ago when salt lake city had a bunch of rape kits that were sitting on the shelves yes that's correct so they had i think over a thousand or so rape kits that were just sitting around that they hadn't processed now the legislature because there was no movement right on these kits the legislature passed a law that required them to get caught up okay Mm -hmm. but this is not uncommon okay the legislature has stepped in where simgill has failed on multiple occasions right so Mm -hmm. they've come in for example simgill wasn't charging police officers in um, officer involved shootings right he was withholding those charging decisions so what the legislature did is they required that within, you know, a certain period of time, the full body camera footage of a police shooting must be released. Now, what that does, the practical effect of that is it puts the DA on notice that he better bring charges or not. He better make a charging decision here very quickly. Right. Right. It also is more transparent to voters to understand the circumstances of a particular police shooting. Because so, it won't if there's a video, you know, that would stop them from protecting their own. It's, right. And, and that's what people have been accusing law enforcement for many, many years, though. In most cases, I would say in a lot of cases, you know, law enforcement, they are doing their jobs. But still, even if you're doing your job, you should still record you doing your job properly because that's something that would always be your shield when people throwing stones at you. 
Exactly. And so frankly, I have no issue with body cam. I know that there's plenty of police officers and precincts that are more than happy to have body cameras for the exact reason you just stated. They want to be able to show, hey, look, I was doing my job. I was doing it correctly, et cetera, et cetera. Now, there's that case that just came out of the police officer who pulled a gun instead of a taser and she ended up in jail for murder. That case was tragic. And frankly, I That was a tragic day, not just for police officers, but for all Americans, because what that means is that we're going to hold police officers to a higher standard than we would anyone else, which is insane. Right. That's like handing a telling a police officer not to use their gun in the line of duty or to second guess or to to quadruple guess whether or not they should pull a gun. It's like handing a a scalpel to a surgeon and asking them not to cut. Right. (laughs) It's like. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> some things, or or if we want to be super, you know, um, if we want to be on all fours, it would be like handing it to, you know, a doctor who also performs local surgeries or local, you know, small surgeries, outpatient surgeries, and telling them not to cut. A doctor knows after looking at all the circumstances when it's appropriate, you know, to perform a surgery. The same is true with police officers. They get ample training. Are mistakes made? Yes. Are there bad people out there who abuse their power? Absolutely. You, I mean, the same is true for surgeons. Go look at the surgeon who, who was a monster. There was a recent uh, docu-series on it um, or like a little drama on it on HBO of a doctor who intentionally screwed up back surgeries because he was just a monster. He wanted to leave people in pain. Mm, He should. uh, Yeah. So there, there are throughout every profession, bad people. There are people who are just objectively deciding to do horrible things to others. Okay. They deserve to be prosecuted. When I got the FOP endorsement, the only promise I made to the FOP, I said, look, no one's above the law. No one's below the law. If I find out, if I even get a whiff that something's going on with your officers, you bet your butt I'm going to be investigating and bringing down every single charge I can against them, just like I would anyone else. But the difference between me and my opponent is I promise you that after conducting my initial screening and I get all the facts and I do my investigation, I will make a charging decision within 60 days. Now, what's the, uh, if they do make a decision, What's their time frame? 10 years? Term to term? What do you mean? So Sim Gill's office. And I mean, I mean, I've heard things, bad things about Sim Gill's, you know, publicly, but you know, who he is and the inner workings of the district, the Salt Lake County District Attorney's Office, I don't really know much about it. Uh, well, well, let me ask you this question. Sim Gill is a minority mm-hmm. in Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. And we know how Salt Lake City <laughs> is ran. <laughs> if you're a minority, you're a victim so that you become DA. You're a white girl. Mm-hmm. How's that going to fare in Salt Lake City? Because I've been asked so many times when I run for office in Salt Lake City myself. And I said, I'm mm-hmm. a black man. They don't mm-hmm. like me. They don't like me. And because I can't play, the, I won't play the victim role. Good for you. Good for you. So here's the thing. Sim Gill was never homeless, okay? Sim Gill did not come from a broken family. Sim Gill did not experience domestic violence as a child. 
Simgill did not have to start working at 15 years old to bring himself out of poverty, to try and get himself a GED, to graduate high school, to go to college, to go serve an LDS mission in a foreign country, learn a foreign language, um, serve the people from day one, right? Simgill was not raised that way. That's how I was raised. That's my background. Okay. If that doesn't make me a minority amongst minorities, I don't know who does. Okay. Most people in America, God forbid, they should ever become homeless. I, you know, it just, it shouldn't be the norm and it's not the norm. I'm of a very few minority of people who've gone through that experience and have come out better on the other side, a very small minority. So are you telling me you're not a victim? I'm telling you, I've been a victim of a lot of crimes, but I'm sure as heck not a victim of circumstance and I'm not a victim of life. Trial and tribulations made you stronger. Amen. It made you who you are. Amen. And, and, and this is what makes, and this will make, give you a better appeal to um, most of us in Salt Lake County because you weren't hand fed. You didn't have a silver, silver spoon. A lot of us didn't have a silver spoon. You can relate. You can relate to what goes on in the county. And so, because a lot of these politicians or people in office, the bureaucrats, they get in power and then they forget where they come from. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to be you. No, God, no. The only reason I'm running is because I care about people. The only reason I'm running is because I want to make Salt Lake County a better place. That's it. As soon as I make this place a better place and I find someone who's better than me to take my spot, I'll freaking anoint them. I'll, I'll, I'll just leave. I'll say, hey, look, you guys should vote for this guy. I'm heading out. Good luck. Because <laughs> here's the thing. I have a life too, okay? I'm young. I think I'm the youngest district attorney to ever run um, in the U.S., and the reason that I'm doing it wow. is because one, God, God bless me, you know, with the circumstances and the experiences that I've had in my life to have a very um, well-rounded perspective of crime in ways that most prosecutors, most attorneys don't have. Most attorneys come from wealthy families. Most attorneys come from people who were also attorneys, right? Or they had friends or they had connections. Um, I never had any of that. And my husband, he's an immigrant, okay? He came to the U.S. 12 years ago from South Korea, right? Nice guy, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Nice man. <laughs> Best man. I'm, I'm the most lucky woman on earth. I, I couldn't ask for more. He's, he's definitely, you know, I, you couldn't ask for more. Seriously, he's, he's an angel on earth. But, you know, and it's actually funny you talk about minorities. A lot of people talk about minorities like Sim Gill and how much he cares about them. Mm-hmm. I actually do care. My husband's a minority. All of my extended family members are minorities. Every time we have like a family reunion, people think it's a cultural event or like some kind of cultural festival. My aunt's black. My other uncle is uh, Mexican American. My other aunt's Filipino. Uh, my other aunt is Mexican American again. I mean, it's just, we're, <laughs> there's, it's weird that I'm the only white one. <laughs> well, so, Speaking of minority, so Sim Gills is a minority, but do you think he really cares about minorities in practice? Yeah, if he cared about minorities, he would actually be charging the bad ones in the communities and taking them out. That's Such as any particular example? 
Yeah, you... so um, Book and Book, or Buck and Buck, depending how you want to pronounce his name, he was a black man from an actual American, uh, African-American. He was from Somalia. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had immigrated here at some point in his life. We don't know exactly when because he doesn't have a birth certificate, and he presented a handwritten birth certificate to the judge, which was accepted. Uh, that said he was a minor. I'm not even kidding you. Down in Draper. Uh, he, he had robbed a house. He had broke, you know, he had broke into a house, was trying to rob the house, um, almost killed the family dog and the cops were called, they caught him. And when the charges were finally brought against him, the judge dismissed the case saying, you can't bring it here. He's a minor. You should have brought it in juvenile court. So you need to refile in juvenile court. Well, the only evidence to suggest he was a minor at the time was a handwritten birth certificate. And if you're and if you're a smart criminal, you will make your birth certificate younger than 18 years of age, of especially course. if you know the laws of the United States. Of course. And if you're a really smart criminal, you have a kid doing the crime that you would be doing so that, you know, they get out in three years. So what the heck do you care? Right. You can pay right. them off or whatever. Take advantage of them. And it's fine because they're in jail and you have control over their family. You know where they live. So anyway, in that case, those charges get dismissed and the prosecutor who should have brought them back to juvenile court never refiles. Fast forward um, a couple of years, this guy has more than 25 different charges brought against him, um, the vast majority of which are felonies, which are either plead down um, or dismissed entirely. And every single one of those cases, we don't know the details of what what was presented in evidence. But what I do know is that a year prior to him killing, sorry, I'm going to give away the ending. He ends up shooting Aaron Lowe, who's a black football player at my alma mater, who was a star. I mean, he was he was an absolute rock star. We went to the same bar. Well, he went to the barber right next to my hairstylist. Amazing guy. Um, Anyway. So a year before that killing, though, he he had set up an ad saying he was going to sell this cell phone. Okay, and this girl had seen the ad and she said, Dad, I want to go buy the cell phone. It was like one hundred fifty bucks or something. Mm -hmm. So dad says, "Okay, that's fine, but I'm coming with you. Right. Smart dad. Mm -hmm. So both of them go out to meet the seller and the seller is buck and buck. And he comes out book and book, whatever. He comes out, pulls a gun on him and says, give me all your cash and everything you have. So they do. And luckily enough, he just runs away. Right. Mm-hmm. So he takes off. Dad calls. Dad goes to a local business, calls 911. The police show up. They arrest him. Well, they book him. I'm not entirely sure how long he spends in jail, probably only a week or so, because I mean, Sim Gill doesn't do anything when it comes to pretrial release. He doesn't make any suggestions, right? So forget Mm -hmm. bail reform. There's no need for bail reform. You just have a prosecutor who shrugs and guess what? (laughs) No need for bail. So, uh, So anyway, he's released from jail. The dad is never notified. He's never notified about the situation or circumstances of the case, although he should have been because they were both victims, him and his daughter. Fast forward six months later, Book and Book is arrested again. This time he's in a stolen vehicle with a stolen gun. Uh, He's in possession of a weapon, which he shouldn't be. And he's in violation of his parole. Again, the prosecutor decides not to prosecute. He spends no time in jail. Only two months after that, 
Aaron Lowe is gunned down leaving a party by book and book. Now, how did they, how did that path cross? Apparently book and book was invited by someone else at the party unrelated to Aaron Lowe. And we don't know all of the circumstances of the shooting just yet, but what we do know is that had he been prosecuted only two months earlier, had he been prosecuted only six months earlier, had he been prosecuted the years prior to that, Aaron Lowe would still be alive, period. And book he wouldn't and book have been killed by book and book, at least. And book and book wouldn't be stealing cars or jacking people, so forth and so on. You mentioned bail. What's your thoughts on no bail? It's, it's complicated. So on the one hand, I'm very libertarian in nature, right? So I mm-hmm. like the idea of not paying the state to get out of jail, right? It seems odd that you can just pay to get out of jail, particularly because that benefits the wealthy, right? The wealthy can can always negotiate their way out. That being said, you get your money back if you just show up to court. Right. All you have to do is show up and you get your money back. Right. So it's like, is it entirely fair? No, but do we have a better system of keeping track of criminals, especially these petty criminals that slowly escalate over time, right? Or quickly Mm -hmm. escalate over time, but they're impoverished. I mean, there's not really a better answer for that. And same with wealthy folks too. Even when they post bail, there's conditions on their release. A lot of people lose their passport. A lot of people are required to meet certain conditions as part of of their pretrial release. So all of these things are decided in, in hearings prior to trial. And, you know, the judges and the attorneys are able to hash out the facts, hash out what's fair and go from there. What I don't think is fair is allowing a guy like in San Francisco who had just raped a woman to be let out, right, with no cash bail, be released, and then go rape another woman same day. Same day he's released from jail, he goes and rapes another woman. So while I don't have all the answers, and thank goodness I don't, because I leave it to the legislature, because that's who should be making that decision, not the DA's office. That's sort of a little bit of insight into the way I see things. I think there's so much nuance in these discussions that it must be left to the legislature because you don't want one person making those types of nuanced decisions that affect everyone in the county. You know, I'm, you know, this past year, I've never spent time at the Capitol Hill ever in my life until the past two years. This past year, I spent a lot of time up there and some positive things happened. This coming year, I am going to spend a lot more time up at up at the Capitol, trying to get things changed in our state. Um, one of those things is, you know, you know, across the country, you know, you know, when everybody was tearing up the country back in 2021, 2020, you know, you hear the talks, uh, talk of no bail and, you know, letting people go for just because they, yeah, whatever, grab and goes are more frequent nowadays. You see people crashing stores and grabbing, uh, merchandise and running out the door, not being prosecuted. <clears throat> I seen a video of a guy in the store with a calculator, California, less than a thousand dollars. So when he walked out of the store with it, they were watching on the camera. He walked out of the store and, uh, and they stopped him. He says, I got less than a thousand dollars. They literally rung it up and then let him go. And what's disgusting about that, and you and I both know this, the people who are disproportionately affected by crime are minorities. Exactly. 
I mean, disproportionately affected by crime. It's like the cops are always there when you don't want them and never there when you need them type of situation for the vast majority of minorities. That's the experience they have here in America because they know that if they call the cops, it doesn't matter because dad's not getting prosecuted. He's not going to jail. He's going to be released. So if you call the cops, you're going to get beat. You might even get killed. Yes, he's coming right back or your rapist or the gang, the the gang member that you just got, you know, put away for a short time on on a parole violation. Don't matter. He will come back and he will kill you. That is the reality for the vast majority, especially of the Hispanic community here in Utah, because the Hispanic community has family members and friends who are immigrants, some of them legal, some of them not. But regardless, they believe that if they call the cops at any point, ICE is going to come and collect them. So they're terrified. And that's what their perpetrators, that's what the gangsters, that's what MS-13, that's what all these gangs who come in through here because this is a drug corridor they come up here and they tell the victims that they say hey if you talk about this gang rape rape or hey if you talk about the fact that i just like stole your child to do some drug running for us you talk about any of that we'll either kill you or we'll call ice on your brother (laughs) i'm well i'm gonna i'm gonna switch over to a hot potato oh boy that's abortion yeah Let's say, for example, the Supreme Court sometime in next month say, you know what, we are going to get rid of Roe v. Wade. Mm -hmm. We're going to send it back down to the states. Mm -hmm. Could you effectively prosecute those who are getting abortions outside the law, the laws of the state of Utah? Because there'll probably be pretty stringent laws in the state. Could you prosecute them? The doctors? Yeah. So here in the state of Utah, we have what's called a trigger law, right? So as soon as Roe v. Wade is is um, nullified by the Supreme Court, um, then what will happen is is at a certain threshold, right? All abortions are banned at a certain threshold, but it's not all abortions. We even here in Utah have certain exceptions for rape, uh, molestation, yeah, incest, the, uh, the health of the mother. All of those things exist. But you're asking, can I successfully prosecute, you know, a doctor who performs emotionally what I mean? Because in Salt Lake City, this is going to be a this is going to be a hot potato, Mm -hmm. especially in Salt Lake City. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're going to get one side and say, hey, look, you know, from the mayor or the city council said, you know, what? we think most 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 abortions should be legal. Let's kind of kick that law to the side. and let people get away with it. What's your thoughts on letting them get away with doing abortion outside of the law? My, my thought is this, okay. I I'm a slave to the law. It's the only thing that I owe my allegiance to is to the constitution of the United States and to Utah's constitution. And I'm just recently barred in Arizona. So I'm also, I'm also owe them my allegiance. Okay. (laughs) But let me tell you my, my, my duty is to them first. It doesn't matter what my feelings are. I want to get politics out of prosecution. Okay. You follow the law as it's written, as intended by the legislature. Is it hard sometimes? Yes. Are there unjust laws sometimes? Yes. Is there a place for civil disobedience? Yes. But is that my place? No. My job as a prosecutor is to do my job, to carry out the law and you know what? That's my ethical obligation and my duty. So when my opponent says he won't, 
I have serious concerns about that because he will prosecute protesters outside of his building when he knows that there's a when there's a conflict of interest. Let me just tell your listeners here real quick. So in 2020, after the uh, after Sim Gill found that um, one of the officer involved shootings was justified, a bunch of protesters came and painted his building with red paint, right, to symbolize mm-hmm. the blood spill. So they paint his building and he decides to smack them all with serious felonies and then enhance them with gang enhancements. So they spend the rest of their lives in jail. Okay. <laughs> this is the same guy who refused to prosecute Buck and Buck. He's the same guy who refused to prosecute a guy who ran over two kids over here in, in Taylorsville or the guy who recently ran over the kids in Saratoga Springs. Okay. Same guy decides to put these people away for life, even though he knew he had a conflict of interest, even though he knew he was the victim in that circumstance and he should have appointed a special prosecutor. The man feels he's above the law. That's all I can think. He thinks he is the law. We did not elect a God King here in Salt Lake County. We elected a freaking DA. All I'm asking is for him to do his job. Clearly he hasn't. So that's why I'm running is because I'm here to do the job of the DA. All right. I am here to end plea deals for repeat violent offenders. You hit your wife once. Maybe we'll get you some treatment. Maybe we'll get you something. You hit your wife again. You're going to jail. Okay. I'm here (laughs) to rebuild and reforge our relationship with the police. Okay. Even if there's a police officer involved shooting and it's, and I decide to charge that officer, guess what? It goes to a special prosecutor anyway. So why the heck would I go and besmirch the people who I work with every day? the people who need training along with our prosecutors. And then finally, the reason I'm running is because of victims. I want victims to have a voice. I want them to be represented. They have rights. Their rights aren't being represented or protected right now. And that's why I'm running is because I'm here to do the job. And let me say, in my world, victim doesn't mean because you're a minority, you are a victim. You are a victim. In my world, if somebody assaults you, you're a victim. If someone you know, robs you, you're a victim. If someone steals from you, white collar, you are a victim. Not because of the color of your skin does it automatically um, classify you as a victim. In our country nowadays, people are using that as a stay out of jail card. I'm black, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm Hispanic, I'm whatever minority uh, specified, that should be my, you know, stay out of jail card. But I just want to say, I support you and I support you and I agree with you that uh, Sim Gills has done things that, like I said before, I got to be transparent. I don't know a lot about Sim Gills because I don't live in Salt Lake County. I don't hang out at the jail either. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, oh man, Somebody, what someone said the other day, they're like, do you want to become like Salt Lake? And I was like, no. I don't want to be, I don't want to be the San Francisco LA comparison, but you know, Sim Gill is practicing social justice in the form of justice reform. He doesn't care about minorities. He wants equity in prosecution. Well, when I look at the numbers, if I see more black people being disproportionately targeted by prosecution, my, my, 
my instinct is not let's stop pro- prosecuting black people. My instinct is let's prosecute more white people. <laughs> Why aren't they being prosecuted more? What are you talking about? There's an uh... <laughs> right. So like, that's the thing is I'm focused on treating everybody equally under the law. I don't care if you have a badge. I don't care if you're gay. I don't care if you're straight. I don't care if you're trans. I don't care if you're black, white, Asian, old, young. I don't care. My hope is that you never have to come to my office, but if you do, I can assure you, I will treat you with the same force and same equality that I treated the guy down the street, that I treated that rapist, that I treated that person who stole candy from the store. Okay. I don't care. I'm moving forward with the law. And also, you know, I, you know, I uh, appreciate everything you've said because um, there's a lot of times when people, you know, make, um, reference to being in jail was because they were black or they were hispanic that's disgusting how racist that's the most racist comment i've ever heard and i get sick and tired of hearing that you committed a crime that's the reason why you're in jail you committed Mm -hmm. a crime hey dude the cop caught you doing 100 miles an hour why did he pull you over in your dark tinted window which are illegal (laughs) oh because i'm black he couldn't see your black ass how? Yeah. Anyway, Danielle, I want to ha- thank you for being on the show. One more shout out to the people and let them know how to get in touch with you, read up on you, bios, website, whatever you got sure. going on. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I apologize if I interrupted. I just get really passionate and excited. So You're good. y'all can check me out at www.da4, the number four, da.com. Again, that is www.da4da.com. Really simple, Danielle on. When you go to vote this November, make sure that you click the Danielle on box for a district attorney. And like I said, I appreciate you having you on. It's been a blast. It's been fun. And if you ever need to come on again, let me know. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you again for all of you on all 50 states and four different countries. My name is John Harvey. I'm the host of the Modern Conservative Podcast. Love you all.